This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. A pair of games on the go around the NHL this evening. Uh, 9.30 Eastern, you can watch the Seattle Kraken. Coming off that big win in Game 4, facing off against the Colorado Avalanche. No Kale McCarr for Colorado. No Jared McCann for Seattle. Watch that one. 9.30 Eastern, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Earlier, uh, at 7 o'clock Eastern, you can watch the Florida Panthers try to stave off elimination at the hands of the uh, Boston Bruins. Watch at 7 o'clock Eastern on CBC and Sportsnet. Sean Shorthouse with the affairs uh, joins me now from the NHL on Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, handling the microphone duties. Uh, John, how are you today, sir? Excellent. Thank you. It's good to be back in Boston. Uh, <laughs> as someone who calls Vancouver Canucks games, is that a, a tongue-in-cheek comment, or you come by it legitimately? No, it's a great city, and uh, I've never stayed. We're staying out in Brooklyn, we're like a, a block from Fenway. So, uh, unfortunately, the Red yeah. Sox aren't in town. But um, yeah, no, it's it's yes. Was 2011 uh, an interesting time? Uh, certainly, uh, you kind of you did things in groups. <laughs> because, because like, <laughs> when you get that far into the playoffs, you want to go to the bathroom yes. with a buddy. You want to, you know, you don't want to. Yeah. The hardcore fans, they recognize everybody. And I was doing radio back then for the most part, at least in the playoffs. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, they, when it comes to, to that high stakes and, you know, the, the chance to win a championship, everybody's a target. Yeah. You know it, it, that is that is so interesting too because if you look at those if you look at those two teams and you know what's happened to both of them since it's been a couple of different directions um, it's been both peaks and valleys for the for the Vancouver Canucks but for the Boston Bruins um, there's been this you know sort of uh, legacy of of great play and some playoff success getting to the Stanley Cup final a couple of times since '11 uh, bowing out against St Louis bowing out against Chicago. Um, and here we are now, this series against the Florida Panthers and whatever the Boston Bruins end up doing uh, these playoffs. has been a wonderfully successful regular season. But there kind of is, and this goes back to when they won the Stanley Cup, John, as you mentioned, back in 2011. There is a sort of element here. There's this undercurrent of this is the end of this version of the Bruins. We don't know what's going to happen to Patrice Bergeron. We don't know what's going to happen to David Krejci. You know, when 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 Char left, that was uh, a big one. Bergeron is going to be huge. Um, do you have a thought on what we've seen from the Bruins going back to you know when they won the Stanley Cup in Vancouver? Well, it's just uh, it's um, there's a real standard of excellence, I think, um, and and it's very much player driven. When you think of the leadership tendencies and qualities of some of the guys you just listed off and um you know jim montgomery's talked about it you think of bergeron through the first four games of these playoffs not playing but basically bouncing back and forth from the coach's office to the dressing room texting the assistant coaches yeah. while watching on tv um you know they they have a Sure, they have a head coach and they have a, an army of assistants like every other team, but they have within their lineup uh, players who kind of fill that role as well. And I think back to the controversy earlier this year, you know, when management, without really consulting anyone, tried to, to bring a player in that did not go over well. And it was it was the Bergerons of the world. It was yeah. telling management, this is not how we're going to do things here. And imagine that in any other market where the players kind of stand up to management and say, no, we're not doing this. So 
it, it will be a, a changing of the guard for sure. This may be it for, for Bergeron, obviously. Um, you know, there's been some controversy in this market due to the fact he got hurt in the, the last game in Montreal, and, and a lot of people thought he shouldn't play, but maybe he wanted to play because it was going to be his last tour there. Um, but he could be back yeah. tonight, and uh, that'll be a big bonus for the Bruins as soon as he's back in the lineup. You know, the one thing, uh, you know, going back to 2011 with this Bruins squad is they've gone through three, other on their, their third now, very distinct elite-level goaltender. 2011 was all about Tim Thomas, and then the net mining duties got handed over full-time to Tuka Rask, and now here they are with Linus Allmark, who will most likely win the Vesna Trophy. Um, you know, he scored a goal this year. He's going to win the Vesna Trophy. He almost got in a fight with Matthew Kachuk. This would be, you know, the uh, the the in-season playoff season. Uh, Gordy Howe hat trick, I suppose, for a goaltender. The goal, the Vesna, and the fight. Well, I don't know. Do I, was think, I was thinking about that this morning. Well? It's remarkable. I was thinking about that this morning. I think it'd be more like the Ron Hextall hat trick, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be. We'd have to call it the or the, or the Billy Smith hat trick, or yeah, the something Billy like Smith that. Because Billy, I guess he was he was he he was more credited with a goal though than he actually shot the puck in the net. But uh, your point's well made. Maybe the the Ron Hextall hat trick. Um, so if you're the Florida Panthers, and you know Paul Maurice very tongue in cheek, so you know everybody's healthy. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell you the truth. Closer to game time, everyone's a a game time decision. You know what, what's the mood of the Panthers heading into this one? I I, I get the impression that. You know, they thought that they had big plans and maybe the Bruins right where they wanted them after the splits uh, in Boston heading back to Sunrise. Didn't work out. Boston wins a pair of games, and now it's, you know, we could be getting ready for handshakes. Uh, Where are the Florida Panthers at right now, Shorty? Well, to be honest with you, I think they've had a pretty loose attitude right from the get-go because, I mean, you, you talk about teams being underdogs in a series. I mean, I don't think underdog even comes close to defining what the Panthers were heading into this best of seven with Boston. I mean, what what the Bruins did in the regular season was just so incredibly (laughs) eye-popping that, I mean, nobody was really giving Florida the time of day. And so I think they probably remain a little loose. I think they – I don't think there's an air of resignation, but I think there's maybe – an air of realization uh, in the fact that you just, you have to be honest about things sometimes. And this is, they're going up against one of the greatest regular season teams in the history of the game. So uh, I'll be, I'll be interested to see uh, who's in goal, first of all. And it sounds like the spidey senses are that they're going to go back to Alex Lyon, which is man, what a great kid he is. And he's not a kid, but uh, I've never seen a goalie on a game day engage in conversation with somebody who started the conversation as a complete stranger, and that's Cheech. And those two were just going on and on and on about their shared histories and their their similar career paths. Sure. Anyway, I digress. But uh, it sounds like they, they, they might be going back to line for this game tonight. And to me, the, the big question is is Bennett. If, if he's out, that's a huge loss. They get Ekblad back. They get Declare back. He hasn't done much in this series, but Ekblad's a, a key piece. And Bennett, you listen to Paul Maurice talk about Sam Bennett and just the, his belief that he's one of those guys, you know, not in the same class as a Sidney Crosby, but the same characteristics in that he's a guy that Maurice thinks just always makes the guys he's playing with better. And so that would be a big loss mm-hmm. if Bennett can't play in game five. 
Hundred percent, an absolute, uh, an absolute coach's dream. Um, you know, the the one player that Elliot and I kind of have have circled back on. We did on the podcast last night, and, and before he came on, we sort of, you know, dedicated a few minutes to, to wondering, you know, what we're going to see out of this player, um, and that's Alexander Barkov. There's no denying how good this guy is. There's no denying mm-hmm. that when it comes to skill set, he's one of the elite. There's no denying that he's one of the best two way players uh, in the game. And if this is it for Patrice Bergeron, he calls it a career. You know, you can you can put his name in the Selkie Trophy conversation every single season because he's that guy. But what we haven't seen in the playoffs out of Barkov, which I'm sure Paul Maurice, the Florida Panthers, and certainly you know managing management and ownership want to see, to say nothing of the fans, is some playoff is is a playoff style from Barkov. Mm-hmm. Again, no denying the skill, but John, you know it. You've seen it. You've called it. You've been around this game for decades. There's a different way to play in the playoffs, and what works in the regular season doesn't always translate into the postseason. Like I can't help but watching Barkov and say, you need more. Like the well, skill small, just isn't enough when it gets to the playoffs. He does, and he's playing small too. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's six three and and well over two hundred pounds, um, and just isn't getting there. It's probably the best way to put it. Uh, you, you look at, at players that get to where you need to be. I mean. How impressed have I been with Tyler Bertuzzi in this series? And this is his first taste of playoffs. And maybe that's a good example. You know, different players, different position, whatever. But my point is, this is his first playoff. You know, Barkov's got 30 playoff games under his belt, and he's had that much time to kind of experience it and, and learn from it and get better at it. And you're right. You know, he hasn't been going at all, and... I mean, Florida can't win if that's the case. To be perfectly blunt, um, so yeah. we'll, we'll see. We'll see which player shows up tonight. Uh, I, I don't think it's for lack of care or lack of try, but it is certainly for lack of execution. And you know, that's probably falls on the player's lap to figure it out. Like you say, what is the difference between playing in in uh, November and the difference in playing in April or May, yeah. and uh, and just try to to figure it out and get better at it. Uh, I've always really enjoyed Taylor Hall. Uh, I've always had a, a soft spot on my heart for Hall. Uh, like him as a player, like him as a person. Thought he got a raw deal in Edmonton. I was happy when he won the Hart Trophy with the New Jersey Devils and then kind of went you know, a, a little bit sideways as he tried to, to find his way again in the NHL. Um, and he's been outstanding for the Boston Bruins. Like, There's always been that element of you know, go hard down the wing and go to the net hard. I remember, you know, going back to his, his, his time in junior hockey, there was always a feeling that, you know, he goes to the net so hard, this guy's going to be prone to injury. And coaches all over, whether it's junior hockey or the NHL, would say, like, give me the guy that goes to the net hard all the time. I can calm him down in certain situations. But it's, it's tough to get guys that go to the net as hard as Taylor Hall does. Uh, do you have a thought on what we're seeing from the, the Bruins' leading scorer here with seven points in four games, finding the back of the net four times, the, the reemergence of Taylor Hall in the postseason, Shorty? And, and I wasn't sure what to expect um, because he missed pretty much the last quarter of the season. Um, he got hurt in a game in Vancouver, missed 20 games, came back and played three of the last four, but you know wouldn't have been up to speed, you would think. Um, you know, would have the proverbial rust, you would think. But as Paul Maurice said before game one, and again, you know, 
coaches are always choosing their words carefully, and this was another way of playing the underdog uh, underdog card. But you know, for him to say, well, it must be a nice luxury to have a, a Hart Trophy winner playing on your third line. <laughs> well, now due to his play through the first yeah. four games, you know, now now he's on the second line. It would appear uh, because he's played so well. Um, but you know, it, it's it is such a luxury to have players with the experience, uh, obviously with the talent level, uh, and and just you hope, and in, in this case, it seems to be coming to fruition, that they bring their best when it's needed most. And Taylor Hall has been really good uh, in so many yeah. facets. And, and talk about making the players around you better. Like, the first couple of games, and I know he didn't bury because you may not expect Trent Frederick to bury a ton of chances, but how many opportunities did he set up for Trent Frederick? I mean, it was, you you knew right from seeing that, that Taylor Hall was ready to put his game into another gear. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Trent Frederick too, because the the, the one thing that we look at with the Boston Bruins as well, we, we know how deep they are, but I mean, their, their depth goes, you know, past the active roster and into like guys that can't even make it in the lineup. Like, you know, there's, you know, there's, you know, uh, very few spots to go around and you have how many legit NHLers, Shorty, like four or five that can't get a spot here. You know, whether it's Greer, whether it's Clifton, you mentioned Trent Frederick, like there's only so many spots here and they have too many legit NHL play. Like what a incredible feeling that must be if you're Jim Montgomery and you've got, you know, you've got to scratch like three or four legit NHL guys. Yeah, I mean that's that's what makes that's what gives you championship pedigree. Uh, when you we have a roster that's constructed as thoroughly as the Boston Bruins roster is, um, and, and I mean there's just so much experience. Uh, like I say, there's there's so much uh, well, on top of the experience, but again the leadership. But here's what like I don't know if this is true or not. Okay, but I saw this on social okay. today because. With Bergeron poised to perhaps return tonight, and Montgomery had his lines mixed up at practice yesterday, and Marchand and Bergeron, in fact, were not on the same line. And one of the people who follows the Bruins much more closely than I do put it out on social, like, can somebody help me out here? Like, when was the last time that those two went into a game if they were both in the lineup and didn't play together? They didn't start together anyway. And somebody came back with a pretty adamant answer that you have to go back to a line of Bergeron, Lucic, and Daniel Paye. <laughs> like, you know, wow. when you have that kind of experience and that kind of familiarity <laughs> with that kind of talent, I mean, that's going to drive a few buses. So that, w- that would have probably been 2011 then. Uh, I, I think it was 2015, I think. Is the the article that somebody referenced? But is that possible? I don't know. Because they were, they well, they were they were all on the team back in uh, in in 2011 when they uh, when they won the cup. But yeah, 2015. Yeah, because uh, yeah, they hadn't let go of Paye at uh, at that point. That that makes a lot of sense, and that is remarkable. Uh, tonight's a big game, and that's an incredible stat um, or incredible fact. Again, I, uh, I Shorty, always read, a delight. Um, but I read it and I threw it out, and that's what I do with a lot of stuff. Listen, is read it, choose to believe it, as John Garrett says. Never let the never let the uh, truth get in the way of a good story. 
No, I know. It's uh, Wednesday afternoon, sports talk radio, shooting the breeze, talking about hockey, waiting for the puck to drop, and we can listen to our buddies uh, Shorty and Cheech. Thanks as always, pal. You be good. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, Jeff. See you. There he is, John Shorthouse, uh, him and John Garrett covering the, handling the affairs tonight. As the Boston Bruins and the Florida Panthers, uh, the Bruins lead this series 3-1. to one. No David Krejci. Game time decision, said the coach. About Patrice Bergeron. My guess is he's playing. Also tonight, Seattle Kraken and the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, Going to hit a pause. Oh, by the way, that one is a, is a game five. That series is all tied up at twos. I'm going to hit a break. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN has got to be feeling pretty chuffed about two things. One, picking the Edmonton Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Looking good. And two, the New Jersey Devils. It was a week ago we were talking about, ah, they're just trying to get some playing time in here. It's a little time on the field. Know what it feels like to play in the playoffs. Yeah, the Rangers and Devils are now at best two out of three. How'd that happen? Wish is next on the Merrick Show. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the program. Just a few moments to wrap up uh, today's program. Thanks to Greg Wyshynski from ESPN for stopping by as he does each and every Wednesday here on this program. For those of you that uh, recall or downloaded or enjoy the old MBSW podcast, we thank you. Um, Matt Marchese, how are you? What's the J score right now? By the way, we're uh, we're not on on uh, the Fan 590 in Toronto. Sorry, Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. Uh, old school guy here. Um, what's the J score? Do you know? You have that handy? It it is nil nil in the third inning. All right. Kikuchi's on the mound? Uh, that I don't know. I've been so wrapped up in hockey that he I is. haven't He's been money. paying attention. Okay, hang on. Lance just got in my ear. Kikuchi's on the mound. Lance is on top of it. Lance sees all, knows all, ignore the man behind the curtain. But you somehow <laughs> want to talk about hockey on this program for whatever reason. Yeah. I just want to talk about Bo Bichette and Vladdy Guerrero. <laughs> Dalton Varsho. You have, you have plenty of time to do that when the season's done. <laughs> I will too. That's when I honestly, dude, I just go like full on baseball mode. It's just, it is just, I mean, it's always on in the house to begin with. It's almost just like wallpaper. Like every game is always on. I'll be like in my office, in the living room, like all of it. The ball games are always on. Anyway, um, what do we miss? What are we talking about? What did we uh, leave off so far? All right. So we have some updates. Um, Okay, so yeah. let's start with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Michael Bunting, Sam Lafferty, Zach Aston Reese, and Wayne Simmons were all wearing bottom six white at Maple Leafs practice. Uh, no one wearing extra gray today. That according to Luke Fox. Uh, Matthew Nye skated with John okay. Tavares and Mitch Marner. Uh, so that means that Nylander, Matthews, Yarncroak, Kerfoot, O'Reilly, and Achari are the new uh, top nine, if you will. Um, also, some other stuff on bunting. Uh, Sheldon Keefe said he will get back in. It's just not going to be tomorrow. And Michael Bunting did say that he sent Eric Chernak a text saying, I have a lot of respect for him. He's a great defenseman. He plays hard. He plays the game right. We butted heads a few times. It's very unfortunate what happened. So there is our Michael Bunting update. Hmm. Okay, so the Bunting update is he's not getting in. And no the even bigger story here is is no no, no surprise, but I mean I, th- I think a lot of it too. I got to know that th- th- this is a uh, I mean the obvious example is the Wally Pip moment, right? 
for uh yep. for for Matthew Nyes that all of a sudden and like look how quickly he's distinguished himself as one of the uh one of the, and, and this is like a really a, a great class of of outstanding forwards too. And I was saying this on the uh on the uh the, the Sportsnet 590 morning show with Justin and Ailish the other day. Yesterday as a matter of fact that um the points are going to come. Like you can see it with Matthew Nyes. Like the Leafs have another good one here. Like they really have another good one here. Everything getting to the red line has, you know, continued to improve. And eventually, he's going to get that little round black thing over the red line in the playoffs. It's it's impressive, man, how quickly this guy's fit in. And I'm always one of those people that's skeptical about putting kids in, especially around playoff time. I know we love the story, obviously, right? Like the the rookie goaltender. Oh, Ken Dryden in from Cornell leads the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup, and he hasn't even played a regular season game yet. I know we all love that story. I'm just so sensitive about it around playoff time, but so far so good for for Matthew Nyes. He's been he's been great for the Maple Leafs. To me, that's that is um, that is the, the 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 bigger story to the Matthew the the Michael Bunting situation. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that, and he's he surprised me as well. I don't. There's one thing, and before we get to the other stuff that we got to get to, there's one thing that he really doesn't do all that great, and it's because he hasn't played at this level long enough. He makes a lot of mistakes within three yeah. feet of both blue lines, and that can be absolutely disastrous. Like the turnarounds, the trying to chip the puck yeah. up the middle, a lot of that, a lot of that. So anyway. Um, Okay, here's yeah. here's some, and you will I remember, love listen, this. The, the, yeah, yeah. There, there, there was, there were, there was one. There used to be one play. Uh, who was I talking to about this? Might have been Paul Maurice, but it might have been Dallas Akins. It was with the Marlies, and we were talking about Robbie Earl. Do you remember Robbie Earl? Robbie Earl was a standout with the University of Wisconsin. He was a really nice player, really skilled player. And I remember talking to. Ah, it was either Maurice or or. Uh, or Dallas Akins about Robbie Earl, and he's like, "Oh yeah, super skilled, but the the one thing, and we don't see this too much anymore, um, just because there's so much space when you you play in college." He said, "What we have to do is get the college curl out of his game, where you get the blue line and you do that little curl. Yeah, in the NHL or pro hockey anywhere in North America, like you do that curl under the blue line. Good night." You're uh, yeah. you're counting the lights, so like that that's the thing. Like you bring someone in who's played, you know, college hockey for you know, as long as Nyes has. You have to kind of get, and this is the same as junior hockey. You got to get the junior hockey out of the game and learn how to play the pro game. And that's why I'm like I mentioned earlier, I'm really sensitive about learning on the job, specifically in the playoffs, because as we've said before, and the Montreal Canadiens know this only too well with Yuri Slavkovsky. Say it with me, Maddie. The NHL is not a developmental league. Again, repeating, the NHL is not a developmental league. Yeah, the NHL is. Uh, it's it's hard. Um, okay, so we do have it we do have hard. some some good news, uh, or potentially good news. According to Pete DeBoer, Joe Pavelski is planning on traveling to St. Paul and is a game time decision. Hmm. What do you think about that? I, I wouldn't want, like, I mean, they're up three, two and they've played, you know, just fine. Thank you very much without him. And not that they can't use him, but I would be very hesitant to rush him back for I game know. six. I would be more uh, open to the idea of see what happens. And then if you need him in game seven, go with that. But Tyler Sagan, and I mean, he's not Joe yeah. Pavelski, but Tyler Sagan has been really good on that line. It looks so good on that line. I, that's my default. You're up in the series. 
do you need, you know, too old, too slow, too good Joe Pavelski? It sounds weird. <laughs> he's one of the, I mean, he's on the, been on the, you know, the, 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 the top line in the NHL or one of the top lines in the NHL for, for two years here now. I'm with you. I err on the side of caution just because of the nature of what that injury was. You know, you go into concussion protocol, but then again, like I'm not a doctor. I'm not there. I don't know how Joe Pavelski is. I'm just trying to be cautious. And if he can afford to wait another game, wait another game. But I can understand, like if you're, if you're Pete DeBoer and you have a chance of getting healthy Joe Pavelski in the lineup and you can close out the Minnesota Wild because you never want to, like ask the Carolina Hurricanes how they feel right now after letting the Islanders up off the mat. Mm-hmm. You never want to let a team get off the mat. And if you're going to do yep. something in the playoffs, you need a a quick series, like a sweep or win it in five. I don't know. I think it's great that he's on his way back, not just because it helps the Dallas Stars, but because it means that Joe Pavelski's healthy. Because I'm yep. sure there were some real tough times. I got a quick one. Go quick. We got 60. Uh, Devon Taves takes over the point on PP1 with Makar out. Gorgiev in the starters net, no surprise. And Jack Johnson, game time decision. So would they play Jack Johnson then with uh, Bo Byram? Would be the question because I can't see them playing. I can't see them splitting Taves and Ger- and uh, and Samuel Gerard. I wonder if Jack Johnson goes in. Uh, we'll see. We'll be watching tonight. We'll uh, we'll 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 see what happens. Uh, only a pair of games on the go. Panthers and Bruins, Kraken and Avalanche. Danielle, thank you. Lance, thank you. Maddie, thank you. And thanks as always. Uh, to all of our guests, Greg Wyshynski, John Shorthouse, and Elliot Friedman. Two games on the go. Watch them. Enjoy them. We talk about them here in 22 hours. Off to watch the Jays and White Sox now. one nothing Blue Jays.